Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Today, we're going to learn what Jesus teaches about telling the truth and about human deception from the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew 5, 33 to 37. Again, you have heard it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now we read those words and wonder, Why in the world does Jesus care about people swearing by heaven? Uh, You might be thinking, well, I never swear by heaven or earth or Jerusalem or my head, and so I'm doing great on this teaching. Sometimes people have taken Jesus's teaching in this part of the Sermon on the Mount kind of mechanically or literally as a rule against ever taking an oath. So they will not go into the military or testify in court or do anything that requires oath-taking. Well, that is not Jesus's concern. Remember, he's uh, showing us in this part of the Sermon on the Mount what true inner goodness, surpassing righteousness looks like and contrasting that with uh, conventional wisdom about goodness. To understand his concern here, let me start with the way things work with kids. Uh, If a child doubts what you're saying is true, the child will generally ask you one question because to kids, the idea that you might violate this question is just unthinkable. A child will ask, do you promise? A child can't conceive of an adult violating a promise. You might tease them for a little while, but if they say, do you promise? And you say, I promise, it has to be truth. So if a child wants to convince you that he's telling the truth, then the way he'll do that is to say, I promise. And if he really wants you to believe him, he'll say, I promise, I promise, I promise, I really promise. And then they'll start attaching other darker elements uh, to that promise. Like, I promise, cross my heart. I promise, cross my heart, hope to die. That's pretty serious. And if that doesn't do it, I promise, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye which is kind of gross. Now, when we grow up, the same thing goes on. You go into a courtroom and before you can testify, you place your hand uh, traditionally on a Bible and you raise your other hand and you say, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. You swear an oath. Now, why is it necessary for people to swear oaths? It's because people lie, right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, said oaths give evidence to lying. I mean, little kids lie, big kids lie, adults lie, we all lie. The most famous study on lying in our day found that the majority of adults lie four to five times in just a 10-minute conversation. 
It was actually two to three times. I just wanted to show you how easy it is to lie. Uh, lying is found in every culture in the world. We lie about our motives. We lie about why we're really late. We lie about what we really said. We cheat on our taxes, our expense accounts, and our resumes. We lie to our spouses. We lie to our children. We lie to our bosses. We lie to get stuff. We lie to sell stuff. We lie to impress people. We lie to get out of trouble. Uh, we lie in the games we play. And what did you get on that hole? Uh, put me down for a five. Uh, that's interesting language, isn't it? Put me down for a five. I really got a six, but that number makes me feel bad. I'd feel great if, if I got a four, but you know that's too big of a lie. Then I'd have to admit that I was a big fat liar. You know, five feels like a good lie. Not too big, not too small, it's just right. I mean, this is the, the human condition. We want to speak the truth, but we're prepared to lie if we think it'll be necessary. Now, this is the backdrop against which Jesus is teaching. People who want to speak the truth, but are prepared to lie. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. In other words, there was a kind of teaching back then that if you say, I promise, so help me God, you have to honor that promise but there were loopholes. People would say, if you swear by heaven or earth or Jerusalem or your head, then that's a non-binding oath. That's the kind of thing that actually went on. And so Jesus goes through a list of things that people would use to try to serve as loopholes to get them out of having to tell the truth. And he says, this is absurd. He says, don't do this sort of thing. In Matthew 5, 37, Jesus in a very direct way says what he's after. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The reason we need oaths is that people are deceptive. They twist words or they omit things or they manipulate or they massage or they shade. And Jesus says, I want you to become another kind of person. I want you to become the kind of person who says, here's what it is, this is what happened, this is what I plan to do. You just simply speak the truth. You give up trying to shade it or massage it or manipulate it. You just speak the truth and then you let go of it. Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying now here is your chance to live in the truth. Jesus is addressing the world in which you and I live every day, every time we open our mouths. He's addressing the deception of the human heart. And the difficulty he's up against is that people try uh, to turn his teaching into rules. And the reason this is so important is as soon as they do that, they neglect the state of their heart and they begin to try to find loopholes. We do this with truth. You know, we play little games with it so that we can say to ourselves, well, you know, technically I wasn't really lying. Well, Jesus is after the heart of lying here, which is the intention to deceive. You know, one of the classic verses in the Old Testament from the uh, prophet Jeremiah is Jeremiah 17, nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful. Now, and that's not the whole truth about the heart. I mean, the heart is also capable of tenderness and warmth and many other wonderful things. But it is true about the human heart. We are deceitful, and it's a heart problem. We can deceive through the words we speak, but we can also deceive through the words we omit. 
We can deceive through the tone of our voice or through gestures or through expressions on our faces or through a shrug of the shoulders. It's the heart that is deceitful. What Jesus is after now is something that you can't skirt around by identifying loopholes. He's talking about this pervasive tendency that we have to deceive people. Jesus is also up against the way we use words to try to control people. That's part of why he talks about this business of oaths. Uh, Our words get used largely to manipulate people. I mean, if you pay attention tomorrow as you go through your day to people and to media and so on, you'll discover words are used in a constant attempt to finesse you, persuade you, flatter you, hype you, soundbite you, manipulate you. And if you're highly verbally skilled, you're going to have to work hard at noticing this because the truth is you'll shade stuff and twist stuff and put a spin on stuff. You do it so well, you don't even notice it. It just becomes a way of life for you. The basic function of words in our world is, how can I make sure I get my own way? So we use words to make sure that we get our own way. Jesus says, stop using words like that. Stop using words to control people so that you get your own way. Just simply say it and let go of it. Of course, that creates great anxiety because then our question is, well, then how do I get my own way then? Well, that's the question, see, because that's not my job. It's not my job to get my own way. And this brings us right to the issue of trust now. Do I really trust in God? In the kingdom of God, do I trust it enough to speak the truth and then let it go? See, now you really start to come up against what trust is about. If we're going to live in the kingdom of God, we need to make a deep decision. So what I want to do is talk about the need for you and me to come to grips with the decision to say today, I'm going to put lying away. I'm not going to deceive people. I think this is very important. And I'll put this in the form of a question. If you just float along in life, if you operate on the general level of truth telling that our society embraces, do you think you'll gradually float into becoming a radically truth telling person? Our society is very ambivalent about the truth. The most famous story about truth-telling in American history is, of course, the story of George Washington and the cherry tree. Uh, George Washington's father comes home and the cherry tree that he loves is chopped down. And he says, who chopped down this tree? George, did you do it? And little George, standing there with his hatchet, says, I cannot tell a lie. Now, you may be aware that this story was written by a guy named Parson Weaves in the early 19th century in his biography, The Life of George Washington, and it never actually happened. It's a great irony about human or about American history that our most famous story of truth-telling is in fact a lie. That was a couple hundred years ago. Would you say that in general, the regard for truth-telling and integrity has gone up over the last couple hundred years? The issue is no longer truth or lies, it's just credibility. You know, Can I get people to believe what I'm spinning and so that I can get them to do what I want them to do? If I can, then great. If I can't, well, then I'll just try another statement. We live in a society where regard for the truth is not so much that you're just going to float into being a truth-telling person. In addition to that, maybe you grew up in a home where truth-telling got trashed. Maybe you grew up in a home where on a regular basis, 
you heard your father or mother pick up a telephone and say, I can't come into work today, I'm sick, when in fact they were not sick. Maybe you grew up in a home where to avoid conflict, your parents or someone else in your family would absolutely deny having said something or done something that you saw them do or you heard them say. You just breathed that in and that became a kind of baseline for you, standard operating procedure around your house. Or you ran with a group of peers that on a regular basis lied to their parents about where they had been or what they had done or to their teachers about their homework or cheated on tests. You just grew up with it. You just assimilated it by osmosis. And so Jesus comes to human beings who have these deceitful hearts and he says, there's another way. And he lived it. And we'll talk more about the decision that you and I need to make to live a similar kind of life in just a moment. As Matt said, words are used in a constant attempt to finesse, flatter, or manipulate others in order to get what you want. There is power in words. There's power in your words. And just as Jesus is addressing the integrity of your words, his half-brother, James, addressed the power of the tongue that speaks them. In the letter he wrote that bears his name, James gives two analogies, that of a horse and a ship. An average horse can weigh between 900 to 2,000 pounds. That's a little more than the average person. Yet you can control the power and energy of an animal 10 times your weight with a simple two-pound bit in its mouth. The same is true, he says, for a ship. Regardless of the size, its direction is set and controlled by a small rudder in the water. James goes on to say, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. James knows the tongue's most significant connection is to your heart. In fact, Jesus once said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The tongue is small, but its power is beyond proportion to its size. So what do you do? There is a decision that needs to be made in order to live as Jesus did. It's a decision that impacts the words you speak and the tongue you speak them with. Let's rejoin Matt and learn more about that decision. All right, I want you to see one of the most beautiful verses about Jesus in all of the Bible. Uh, it's from John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John, who knew Jesus, says that truth was so essential to who he is, it was such a deeply woven part of his identity that it's not just that he spoke truth or that he refrained from lying, he was full of it. We say that about people sometimes, you're just full of it, but rarely do we mean truth is what they're full of. Uh, Jesus was full of it, John says, and the it was truth. So that when he got squeezed, kind of like a toothpaste, you know, whatever's inside it will come out. When Jesus got squeezed, when he was under pressure, what came out of him was truth. He was just full of it. So here's the decision today. The decision is I'm 
not going to lie anymore. I'm asking you today, if you will follow Jesus in a commitment to truth-telling, and you will say, I'm not going to lie anymore. That's a radical thing. Most people, I think, think this way about lying. You know, lying is a bad thing. Uh, You shouldn't do it. God doesn't like it. But man, it's a nice option to have if you're backed up against the wall and you really need it. Now, we don't acknowledge that, but our behavior shows that that's the way our minds are working because when we're really shoved up against the wall and a lie is the only thing to get us out of there, old story about a Sunday school kid who uh, got his Bible verses mixed up. Uh, They came out like this. A lie is an abomination unto the Lord and a very present help in times of trouble. (laughs) If you were to get, get an honest reading of our theology of deceit, I mean, that's not a bad summation of it based on the way we live. Are you willing to make the decision? I'm not gonna lie anymore. Now understand, there will be times when you fail and you stumble, but every time that happens, you get another chance. You can say it again, I'm not gonna lie anymore. Because what's the alternative? I'm just gonna keep lying, I'll never change in this area of my life? I mean, that would be so sad. Now understand the cost if you make this commitment. One of the costs is you'll endure significantly more pain. The number one reason people lie is to avoid pain. Uh, we learned this very early in life. If you've lied a lot, if that's been a standard you know, operating procedure for you, you've been escaping a lot of pain with it. And what that means is you're gonna endure a lot more pain when you switch over to truth-telling. This means no more casual promises. One thing that happens all the time in our world is people say, you know, will you do something for me? Yeah, sure, you know, when we have no intention of doing it. And Jesus here is talking about vows or about oaths and people saying, I'm going to do something because they want other people to think that they're nice or that they're friendly or that they're spiritual, but then they look for loopholes to get out of doing it. And Jesus is saying, don't do that anymore. Don't say to people, yes, I'll do something if you're not going to do it. And then you have to ask, why is it that I do that? Why do I deceive people? What is it about earning their approval or getting them to like me that's so powerful that I'm willing to sacrifice my integrity for it? Now, the writers of scripture have some very difficult things to say to people who do not speak the truth. One of them is Psalm 101.7. This is what God says. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. And of course, it must be this way, like not because God's not going to let them in, but because in God's house, truth reigns. It just reigns. In God's house, that's all people know how to speak. And anyone who is not full of truth would be miserable there. I mean, it's the last place in the world they'd want to be. If you don't want to live in truth, you don't want to live in communion with God. So when you deceive, when you lie, something happens to you. It it corrodes your spirit. And each time you lie, it gets a little easier to lie the next time and it bothers you a little less. It's an addictive thing. And your psychological barriers go down. It becomes easier and easier and easier. And something that a year ago would have kept you up at night because you lied now doesn't even register a blip on your moral radar screen. I mean, you come to depend on it. It comes to be standard operating procedure. And it demeans the other people in your life every time you deceive someone. See, God's dream 
God's dream is community. And community is built on trust. Relationships are built, like authentic relationships, are built on this delicate fabric of trust. And every time you deceive someone, you unravel one thread on that fabric. You create a world in which trust is a little harder. And when you do that, God's dream of community dies a little bit. And so does God. So Jesus says, this is not about following rules or demonstrating what a righteous person I'm going to be now. This is about God's dream of community and the kind of people who make community possible. I wanna say other, one other thing about true telling, and that has to do with telling hard truth. Because a commitment to true telling not only means I'm gonna put away lying, it also means in situations that are difficult, I'm gonna be courageous to speak hard truth. Jesus does this all the time. Uh, the classic statement about truth-telling is from Paul in his letter to the church at Ephesus. This is what he says. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. And Jesus is the master of this. One day a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and his life is on the wrong track and he says, what do I need to do? This is a moment of truth. Jesus needs to tell him a hard truth. And Jesus could have said, you know what, you're doing fine. You know, you, I don't want to offend you. So just kind of keep doing what you're doing. But he doesn't do that. He says one thing, you must sell everything you've got and then come and follow me. He tells him a hard truth. But in the same verse, it says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He loved him enough to tell him the hard truth. I was talking to a couple uh, who were struggling to keep their, ho their house. Uh, they were on the verge of losing their house. Uh, now there was a long uh, run leading up to this. I mean, they had made a series of bad decisions and there had been a series of misbehavior, uh, behavior clearly that was not pleasing to God that had placed them in this situation. But now their expectation was that God was going to bail them out. And one of them said, you know, if God doesn't come through with money for us so that we can make this payment, and you know what? If they didn't make it, if they lost their house, they were not gonna starve. I mean, they, they were gonna be fine. They just might not be able to have as, as nice of a house as they had. And the statement was, if God does not come through for us this time, it's really gonna shake my faith in God. And in my spirit, I thought, you know, you're in this situation because of the things that you have done. And now you're saying, if God doesn't bail you out from the mistakes that you've made, that's gonna shake your faith? I mean, there are children starving to death in the developing world who need the help that you in your affluence can give them. And their starvation does not shake your faith. But the fact that you might not be able to stay in such a nice house, that shakes your faith. Now, that's what I was thinking inside, but I didn't say that. I didn't say much of anything, actually. And I'll tell you something. In reflecting on it, I failed them. For their own well-being, they needed to hear hard truth. And I didn't love them enough to be willing to spend the energy to speak it to them. Now, again, understand, this business of speaking hard truth, uh, maybe you love to speak hard truth. Like, that's like your spiritual gift, you know, speaking hard truth. Uh, I'm not talking about doing damage. It's possible to do great damage to people and then to justify it by saying, well, it's the truth. 
You know, just read terrible news about another person and then to justify it by saying, well, but it's true. I hope you understand now. Hopefully you're far enough along in understanding Jesus as a teacher to say, you know, we can't play that game. Speak the truth in love. All right, this is Jesus' teaching. I'm going to put away lying. I'm going to be full of truth. It will cost me pain. Uh, It will mean sometimes I won't get stuff or be able to persuade people like I could if I was deceiving them, but I'm willing to do it. So now this week, you have a chance to put into practice what it is that Jesus is teaching. Every day this week, each moment of this week, you have the opportunity to live in the truth. Every time you open your mouth, you have a chance to speak truth. So there's a little phrase I want you to remember so that you can live in this school of Jesus. And the phrase is, here's my chance. Here is my chance to practice what it is that Jesus is teaching. And let's make this week all about practicing truth-telling. So I'm gonna run through a couple scenarios after each one, say these words, here's my chance to tell the truth. This week, there's gonna be some time when you're late for a meeting or you mess something up or uh, you're gonna be tempted to uh, cover it up by excusing yourself even though it was your own fault. So instead of deceiving people, you're gonna stop in that moment and you're gonna say to yourself, here's my chance to tell the truth. Maybe you're in an awkward social situation sometime this week. It would be so easy just to kind of tell a little lie to get yourself off the hook. But instead of doing that, you're gonna say to yourself, here's my chance to tell the truth. Understand this will probably mean pain. And the more you've relied on lying, the more pain it will mean. And when that pain comes and you're tempted to avoid the pain to escape legitimate suffering by telling a lie, then when that pain comes, and that pain will be a little reminder that even though it hurts, It's an invitation to follow Jesus in this school of life. That pain will cause a little voice inside your brain to say, all right, here's my chance to suffer pain to follow Jesus. Because you know, his followers did that. His followers suffered pain to follow him. And they even kind of found some joy in it. So now it's our chance. It's your chance and my chance to be full of truth to just be full of it. All right, let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would help us this week to to live in the truth, to speak the truth, uh, to speak it with love, and to follow your leading, the, the kind of life that you lived. You were a master at this, speaking the truth in love. God, help us in those difficult times this week when we're tempted to escape the pain by saying a little lie. Help us to remember that this is my chance to speak the truth and to live the kind of life that you want us to live. God, would you help us with this? Help us to to change our hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things, but help us to, uh, to live in your truth. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would transform our hearts. Help us to be truth tellers. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our 
weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.